Mikola Kuleba is the founder of Save Ukraine, an organization helping to save families and children from the war, and was also the Ombudsman for Children for the President of Ukraine from 2014 to 2021. Mikola has been supporting the rights of children since 2000 as a founder of the international charitable organization Child Rescue. He created a network of specialized centers for the rehabilitation of children in difficult circumstances, street children and those without care and support. He's played a key role in reforming the children's rights protection system and education, health, social protections and social security systems and promoted institutional change for childcare in Ukraine. Welcome to Silicon Curtain. If you enjoy the material we create, and of course, the fantastic guests that we feature, please do make sure you are subscribed, share the link with your friends and family, and do consider supporting the work of the channel by becoming a patron or buy me a coffee. Before you do though, consider supporting uh, Mikola and the various links to the charities that we're going to put in the description of the video. Welcome to the channel. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for your invitation. Well, let, let's start with your biography and your various activities. Uh, what attracts you to this sector of supporting uh, children, especially before the war, uh, you know, working on uh, the care, support and security of children? Oh, it, it, Jonathan, it's a long story <laughs> because I'm 25 years in child protection and I started my work in late 90s when it was a lot of after soviet union collapsed it was a lot of street children uh, all over ukraine especially i lived in kiev in the capital and it was thousands of children who lived on the streets and i i was a businessman successful businessman and, and just that time we had one one um daughter uh in our family but now we have four kids and uh, i met my first child on the streets and uh, it was unexpected uh, for me i stopped and i started uh, talking with this boy ask him why he lived on the street i feed children and then every day i stop on that place and i met more and more and more kids i built uh relation or trust um be we with these kids and then i decided maybe better i will open a center for the children and then second and third i left my job my business and i started um, started working with the with the kids with the orphans with children from orphanages and then I build a, a network of centers which help child to to be integrated into families, into uh, local communities. And then after Orange Revolution, I was invited to be a chairman of city service for children in child to be chairman in child protection in the capital. And then um, in to 2014, uh, President Poroshenko invited me to be his commissioner. I was a children's ombudsman uh, with uh, President Poroshenko. And then when Zelensky came as a president, he invited me to continue my job. I worked two years with him, but 
Then I finished my job just six months before the full-scale invasion. And when, uh, but, but after first invasion, 2014, I founded uh, Save Ukraine Rescue Network. It is the biggest rescue network in Ukraine, which unites dozens of organizations, volunteers uh, all over Ukraine. And we are rescuing, evacuating children and families from combat zones. And we evacuated more than 100,000 children and women, their families from combat zones. And we have a suite of services. It's our rescue hubs, our hope and healing centers, seven hope and healing centers for uh, with the live in program of three or six months for families and children, for orphans. We provide recovery program for them. And then we integrate them into local community. It is if shortly, but I I can tell you a lot what happened for this years uh, on the position uh, in the government, how I um, developed some programs for orphans, uh, deinstitutionalization reform, and especially when war started ten years ago, and how we evacuated children families and build services for them yeah but our main activity is saving children's lives and build child protection and family services for children uh, and families affected by the war and maybe more than one year we we returning um, children from russia and occupied territory especially that kids who have been kidnapped or abducted and we are building services for these children. And that was going to be my next question was the scale of the problems uh, that have come with the full-scale war. So you've described some of the issues that you're tackling prior to full-scale war. I imagine the scale, but also the range of problems um, that you have to deal with has changed dramatically since the full-scale invasion? You know, um, Ukrainian children on occupied territories are hostages and, and in Russia too. Before we talk about another issues, I want to talk that we need to talk uh, about 1.5 million kids who are still living in the occupied territories and in Russia Federation, because these kids are having their national identity held hostage. As some of them have been weaponized again against us and as soldiers fighting for Russia. This is a product of identity erasure and years of systematic brainwashing. You know that very often we can hear that, oh, 20,000 20, children have been deported and government identified these kids. But this problem is much wider and bigger because we have to talk about massive deportation about and about massive erasure of the identity. The Russians have illegally abducted thousands of these children, but we don't know how many thousands. When we are specifically speaking about forcibly transferred children, the scale of this crime is presently impossible to know. 
the Russian themselves have bragged about taking around 700, almost 750,000. Uh, the Ukrainian government has accounted for about 20,000. Many of the victims are unaccompanied minors, but we have no idea how many of, of this number are unaccompanied. A few and very few of these children, mostly teenagers, are able to self-identify and advocate for themselves and possibly a sibling or a friend. And that, that's why we, from that kids whom we returned, uh, very few kids which, whose age is under the, under the 10, 10 years. But in other kids are teenagers because they could report uh, about themselves and ask us about escape. And do we know if the Russians have taken records, if they kept records of the children, where they come from and where they've taken to? Or is one of the problems here that perhaps the Russians are either through incompetence or on purpose not keeping proper records of where people are from and where they are transitioned to within the Russian Federation? You know, we could hear from Yale University research when they found more than 6,000 children or more than 4,000, I don't remember, but they found dozens of um, uh, orphanages, facilities where children uh, were placed uh, in Russia. And we have no research, uh, or we can't have any information because when Maria Lvova Belova who received warrant from ICC reported about these 744,000 children who've been registered after full-scale invasion in Russia Federation. She stated that I will not give any information about these children to Ukraine because it's Russian children. And that's why our main call to Red Cross, United Nations, to hold the world, please, could you press on Russia to give us information where are they, where are these children? And now what happened that they trying to, they involve Qatar and try to feed us uh, of information about 10 or 20 kids or they return, can you imagine, for these two years, they returned 13 children with the mediation of Qatar. It is, it is, it, it is nothing. Yeah, it's, I understand that 13 is good too, but it is not orphans. It is not unaccompanied children. It's just children who had families, but Russia did not allow that families to be escaped. And you, you can understand now how huge this problem for Ukraine, because when every day we're losing thousands of this, kids because after this Russian propaganda, after they forced them to learn Russian language, I think we will talk about it more. And they maybe they will never 
come back to Ukraine. And of course, it gets more difficult, doesn't it? The younger the child is, the less likely it is they'll be able to hold on to their identity or resist this brainwashing. What do we know about the processes of how Russia brainwashes younger children? And for the older children, are there elements of militaristic training that start to be introduced? And do we know what age that militarism starts to be um, inculcated in the children? You know, um, we have some researchers about weaponizing kids, and we have evidence from that kids who've been returned by Save Ukraine because uh, we returned 217 children for the last one year, and uh, we have heard con consistent reports of the clear and systematic destruction of Ukrainian identity through indoctrination and forced Russification. And I will give you some examples. Children are forced to listen to Russian propaganda and false narratives about Ukraine every day. Children are not allowed to speak the Ukrainian language and complete to attend Russian language, literature, and history classes. And what happened now, because we learned from um, that families who we return and children who we returned just last week. On occupied territories now, it's something, this trance, it's new. They um, breaking the doors in, in the homes. If, if they knocking in all doors, if you will not open your door, they will break this door because they should control every home, uh, every family. They should be convinced that uh, all children attending school because, for example, last year and this year, it was a lot of children on occupied territories who had online education in Ukrainian school. But now it's impossible. They force all children attend Russian school and to uh, and to um, uh, to learn Russian language, literature, and history classes. And uh, uh, children are required to listen to the Russian anthem regularly. Uh, we have kids who've been returned, and uh, they told us that, for example, one girl who've been returned, they had one one day she spoke in Ukrainian and she was Spanish. They took her to a principal and she was absent maybe six hours. And when she returned, she was crying and she didn't speak with anybody. And we cannot understand what happened with her in uh, that in that accident. And one girl who'd been returned she was forced to have a Russian flag on her shoulders. It was punishment for her because she was like pro-Ukrainian. Could you imagine child, 10 years old child, pro-Ukrainian? What does it mean? She speaks, sometimes child cannot speak Russian. She speaks only Ukrainian, but they force her uh, to forget Ukrainian language and speak only Russian and uh, dress her uh, on the 
uh, and dress with the flags with uh, some identity, Russian identity, and have a flag, a Russian flag on her shoulders. And she was traumatized because really she was really afraid. She didn't want to do this. And it was a psychological pressure on her. Teenagers are recruited into Russian youth military movements. And we have evidence that thousands of these kids are now soldiers fighting against Ukraine because now thousands and young adults uh, were killed as a Russian soldiers. But these young adults have been school children in Donbass and Crimea uh, 10 years ago. But now they are fighting against us and they believe that they are fighting with the Nazi and NATO because they've been brainwashed uh, the kids. And it's, 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 it's very hard, really. We have kids who refuse of our escape because they, they told that we better stay in Russia because we know that we will be killed in Ukraine. And they learned this from Russians. And we returned kids who told us that we did not know that Ukraine exists anymore because we learned that uh, Russia invaded all Ukraine. Yeah, and this Russia propaganda totally changed their attitude uh, to Ukraine. And the I I told you about military movements in in schools on occupied territories and in Russia, millions of children involved uh to these military movements uh, and one of military movement called wagner it's wagnerionok it's like wagner children wagner and uh, uh, more than one million children attend uh these military movements and uh, soldiers from wagner group uh have to come to kids and and train them and tell them about how they fighting against Ukraine, how they killing Ukrainians. And it is ma massive weaponizing of Ukrainian children and, and Russian children too. And, um, and we know that just wearing blue or yellow or even close to blue and yellow is grounds for punishment. One boy was punished for wearing purple and yellow socks. A girl in a Russian re-education camp was pa punished for wearing a t-shirt with the Ukrainian flag. A camp director uh, cut the t-shirt into pieces while making a propaganda film. I can tell you a lot of stories like this when children were punished for any Ukrainian sign or... or uh, or we're sitting in a confinement room, uh, and it's a different story so that kids. Now, some people might say, okay, well, this is the official camps, this is the official propagandists, but let's also talk about uh, racism uh, and prejudice in the wider population. Now, there may be some Russians listening to this. Some of them may get offended at this, but my experience, my direct experience of living in Russia um, uh, in the 1990s is that the levels of anti-Semitism, 
racism, homophobia, um, gender-based um, uh, sort of prejudices as well, these were considerably higher than any European country that I'd experienced and considerably higher than they are in the UK as well. Um, do we add to that now a, a sort of Ukrainophobia? Because the sort of attitudes I heard in the 90s were that, uh, well, you know, Ukraine is more corrupt than us. Perhaps in the 90s, there may have been some truth to that. But also people say, well, the Ukrainian language is not a real language. It's it's funny. They got funny, you know, peasant accents, etc. So there was a foundation for negative um, uh, impressions or negative attitudes already existing there. How, however, has that been built upon um, since 2014? How has that sort of level of prejudice that pre-existed been uh, sort of grown and expanded and escalated since then? We have to go deeper to history yeah, because Ukraine wo were, was invaded 100 years ago and um, it was massive deportation and and Russia it is a, not a nation you it, it is not a nation because they invaded different nations uh, and uh, it was a sense of Soviet Union when they united these nations and uh, it was Russia Empire and uh, Russia Putin won return this empire this power of empire that's why he needs these territories that's why he hate and not only he russians uh, it is multicultural country which united forcibly united and now they hate any country which identify themselves as a nation for example, Georgian nation or Ukrainian nation, a Moldavian nation. It was a nation which they invaded before and now they are free. And as we, we, I grew up in Soviet Union. And can you imagine? Mm, I never heard in Soviet Union about genocide, which is ho Holocaust which is uh, famine, ma famine when more than 4 million, uh, 4 million uh, Ukrainians were killed through the famine. And when million Ukrainians were deported to different Russian regions. And for example, Donbass, why Donbass was pro-Russian, more pro-Russian? Yeah, because it was in 30s, 90 and 80 years ago, it was a millions of Russian like prisoners and they were sent to that area and Ukrainian population was deported because Stalin and, and bef before him Lenin, they mixed a nation in, in Russia. And now we have different nations who live in one area and they trying to, to, you know, affect them in this poison of fighting between East, West. And I, what I learned in Soviet Union that we are strong country 
which is Russia or Soviet Union. We have to fight. Oh, everybody won't invite us. And we have a lot of enemies, which is United States or European countries, Germany or Great Britain. We have to fight with them. And I learned this, but I didn't learn about my Ukrainian identity. I I heard nothing about it. It was it was it was hard to find any information. And my father, uh, he his mother had thirteen children, but eleven of them died uh, through the famine. Uh, and uh, and he didn't tell me. He told me this just several years be before he died. Uh, and I asked him why he didn't tell me before, and he couldn't answer, because he was afraid just to tell about this. You know, and uh, when we were free as Ukraine, as a nation, we need some time just to learn about us, to find information, who we are, because, and in your country, in any country, 20 years ago, if you told I'm Ukrainian, everybody told, oh, you're Russian, I understand. No, I'm Ukrainian. No, yeah, I understand, you're Russian. You know, we, we are Ukrainians. Only now, all the world understand that Ukraine is a different nation. It's not Russia. We've been invited and, and now we are fighting for our freedom but it's you know it's very hard to explain abroad very often when i'm traveling and go to united states european countries uh and and talking with people and asking do you know our history what happened uh with us when russia invaded us and massively killed people uh, about genocide in Ukraine, uh, they didn't didn't know this. They didn't learn about this because it it was hard to find this this um, information. But now we can learn and we can teach our children about it. My children grew up as the Ukrainian children, and they are Ukrainian, not Russian, not Soviet, but pure Ukrainian children. That's why for Putin, it is a last chance to fight, to, to take us to Russia empire. If not, our children will grow as, as a Ukra pure Ukrainian children who hate Russia, who will never allow Russia just come to our territory. The other aspect is fear, isn't it? And it's been remarkable to me to see how people who went through the 1990s in Russia, who had a taste of freedom, um, have slipped back into a deep state of fear, fear of their leaders, fear of the Silviaki, fear of their neighbors, and, uh, you know, Darnosi and, uh, you know, these uh, mm -hmm. processes where neighbors uh, sort of snitch on each other. They seem to have fallen straight back into that fear incredibly rapidly. Is this another way in which Ukraine is different through the various revolutions? And I'm thinking here, Maidan, a significant event in 
stimulating civil society and resistance to uh, leaders that don't reflect the popular will. Are Ukrainians substantially different from Russia in that sense that they no longer want to or prepared to fear their leaders? Yeah, you, you are right. We are we are different. We are totally different. You can find this fear in Russia. You can find this fear in Belarus, where people just just afraid to think about Maidan, about they can fight against tyranny. And uh, I try to understand what happened um, two years ago when Russia invaded us. And they were sure, they were sure that they invaded us for three days. And everybody, uh, all countries, as you know, was really afraid. And they believed that Putin easily can easily invade our country. And they came uh, to Kiev. But what happened? I'm, I asked myself. What happened with our affair? And we have this fair in our DNA. After the Russian invaded us, after Soviet massively killed our population, they deported uh, massively uh, Ukrainians. We have this fear, but and not only we, but. European countries, United States, and other countries have this fear that, oh, it's better don't touch a bear. Do you know? Don't touch a bear because they, and, and, and Russia threatened whole the world that don't touch a bear. We can, we can bite you. We can, we can kill you. Yeah. But, but in one day, all Ukraine stands and people fight. And uh, what happened? Because in our wins, in our blood, we have DNA of fighting, which is much bigger than a DNA affair. We, we are free. And this freedom in our wins, in our blood, which in the critical moment, give us strength and power to fight against tyranny. That, that's why, this, this is my explanation. We are very strong nation. We, we, we couldn't understand how strong we are, but now we're going through this the, through this war and we we it making us stronger and weaker too because we are losing a lot of our soldiers a lot of our family the tragedy for our nation but i believe it make us stronger in future not allow russians come and invade us and grab us and make us slavers, slaves. Mm -hmm. And we believe we will, we will win in this war.
And I wanted to ask you about propaganda, because propaganda is incredibly important for the process of brainwashing children. Uh, but propaganda is also important for keeping the Russian population docile, um, stopping them from resisting their government, stopping them from uh, protesting the war or at least demanding, you know, for their own family to be returned. Um, propaganda is incredibly important here. But for anyone sort of unfortunate enough to be able to see and understand the propaganda in the original language, which I can, um, what we see coming through in that propaganda uh, is extreme genocidal messages extreme messages about the extermination of the Ukrainian identity. Um, and if people are in any doubt, it seems that the main idea behind that propaganda is that Ukraine doesn't exist, and that anyone who thinks they're Ukrainian, it's as if they've caught some kind of you know brain disease, and they openly talk about the need to, uh, to kill anybody who cannot be converted from being Ukrainian. I'd like you to talk about that. Um, but it's more than just identity, isn't it? It's they want people who are able to submit to the Russian system, the Russian way of business, the Russian way of corruption. They want people who they can uh, to utilize in their system, which is not based on the rule of law. And... Ukrainians who have a strong Ukrainian identity are often committed to a very different way of organizing themselves and their society. So I'm interested to hear your ideas around that, but also how that relates back to children as well. Um, we, we have to understand what is the Russian strategy. Yeah, Russia live in this propaganda bubble. Uh, where in this bubble, they hate all the world. They believe that all the world want invade them, want to grab their land, their resources. They believe in this bubble that, you know, it's like when a family in Russia live in very bad condition of life, have no money, no job, no... Um, no house, nothing. It's it's in very bad. It's in extreme an extremely extremely vulnerable family, and they believe they are the the best nation, the best country. Then they have the best president, like a king, and they believe through the propaganda. They it is it's better live in this condition and lot of life and have this president and they are proud for this president and for their state. You, you know, they they are happy that their sons like mothers happy in this condition of life that their sons to earn money can go to Ukraine, kill somebody because it's a good way to earn money. And they glorify Russia, glorify Putin for this. You know, it's like, it's different planet. You will never understand it because it's impossible with the normal brains with the, to live in civilized world to understand 
how they live in this condition of life. But this propaganda affect them, hugely affect their brains. To They, they force them believe that is normal. That is only one way to live. It is, it is a normal way to live. That's why for Putin, it's very important not to break this bubble, just to have these people uh, who under this propaganda and poisoning them every day, because it's hours a day. When you listen the same narratives that America won't invade us, they want to kill us, uh, like Europe, it's our enemies, they support Ukraine, they give a weapon, they give a weapon and fighting against us. You know, yesterday, I can send you this article from Russian media. They, because Save Ukraine, it's a terroristic organization. My organization for Russia, it's a terroristic organization because we're returning Ukrainian children to Ukraine. But for Russia, we're kidnapping children from their new territories. And you can read this article. It's like, I am like a, a pedophile. I am an enemy. I am killing children. I am selling children for organs. Uh, just to blame me, just to people uh, to show opposite uh, than it's it's real. We are rescuing these children. We raise awareness all over the world. And with you now, what Russia's doing with Ukrainian children. But to give people another idea, they horribly blaming me and trying to change everything. Just, oh, I receiving money like from Germany to send children to Germany, to Poland, to sell them. And, and no, it's, it's horrible things. This is pr Russian propaganda. They want to show that only if you stay in Russia, only if you trust President Putin, only if you obey this regime, you could stay normal, but you must hate another countries. You hate, you should hate another people. You should believe us, our, our narratives. You should believe that we are not aggressor, that everybody is aggressors against us, but we are only, we are normal states. And what we are doing is good. Just believe me. And you know what is phenomena of this huge propaganda? When you and me will live six months, one year there with having no other information, even if we have critical thinking, but if every day, hours, we will listening these narratives, we will we will believe this in, in one year or more because we have no other information. And that's why 90% or more of Russian people who live there under this propaganda, they really believe that they are doing great things. Just brainwashing uh, us, killing us, invading us, 
fighting against uh, all the world. And that, that's why Russian is totally crazy. And when you, uh, when you, even if you try to talk with the, like, opposition, some people from opposition, they believe in many narratives. They, they against, like, a Putin's, as it, against tyranny, but some these narratives in their blood and they will tell yeah we are empire we are biggest we are glorify our country we we like ukraine yeah should be a russian republic it's not not separate country it's horrible what this propaganda how this propaganda affect people and and conspirologia, there's a sort of a conspiracy way of thinking which uh, emerges from that. That leads to my, I think, really important question about what happens next. You've obviously got a real challenge in trying to return the thousands upon thousands of children back to Ukraine. This is a process I'm guessing that may take years, if not decades, to get all the people back. Can there be any sense of victory without justice for these children and without returning them home to Ukraine? Oh, it's a very hard question. We, I told you that we are losing uh, a lot of children every day through this indoctrination uh, and Russification of, of these children. And we really need to win in this war and to return these children. That's why we asking all countries today to mount diplomatic pressure on Russia to return Ukrainian children. Uh, and at the same time, we have no illusion that the Russia, Russian government will prosecute those responsible um, that, that's why we're asking all countries about more than diplomatic pressure. And we appeal to all countries today to use uh, and raise voices to condemn Russian forcible transfer of Ukrainian children as genocide. Because for us, it is pure genocide. And we're asking countries to provide political and financial support to investigation of this transfer to build the body of evidence of these crimes and to exercise universal jurisdiction and open investigation into Russian acts of genocide against our children. Just one week ago, I returned from International Criminal Court uh, I was talking with the their representatives and with another countries there, and we we really need not only pressure. We need help to investigate and to prove these crimes and to help us return these kids. I've been in United Nations on Security Council. I've been in parliaments of different countries with the same message that we are losing our kids what happened with them is is a genocide but you know it's it's a new type of genocide we learn from the history uh, 
that genocide is when somebody massively killing somebody or ethnic group. Yeah, and uh, today uh, not a lot of people understand and def define this what happened now with Ukrainian children as a genocide because many journalists asking me, uh, Mikola, why you call this genocide? Because Putin not killing these children. Uh, but he's saving their lives. He's uh, uh, not deporting them, but he's saving them. He evacuating them to Russia. But I'm telling no, guys. It's it's uh, three main points. Because Russia has serious demographic problem, they need children. Putin can easily kill millions of Ukrainian people, children or adults, doesn't matter for him. But he can do this because he understands if he will try massively kill children, whole the world will stand and will fight. That's why he can... That's why he built this strategy, not to kill, but erase identity to when he taking or transferring these children to Russia or indoctrinated them on occupied territories because it's huge Russification there, he can receive millions of children for free. And it is about demographic issues. And then next steps to instill hatred towards Ukraine through the propaganda and and the uh, um, special subjects in the Russian schools and kindergartens, uh, they can instill they instill hatred towards Ukraine. And then through this, he can have thousands of soldiers for his army in future. And it, it's. It is benefits for him, and uh, it's this is his strategy. For us, it is it is genocide because he's destroying identity of Ukrainian ethnic group. It is millions of Ukrainians, especially children. That's why this genocide, and we cannot wait anymore because. I, I understand that International Criminal Court, United Nations, after investigation of years or dozens of years, they will recognize this as a genocide, maybe in 20 or 30 years. But we will lost this population. We will lost millions of children. We, we, we don't want. We want our children live on our land, in our country, to be free, to grow up in freedom in Ukraine and be part of civilized world, not part of Russia and be slaves of Russia, but part of Europe because we are Europe. That's why we have we as a save Ukraine. We are continue our rescue mission. We are returning these kids. We document these crimes. We raise awareness along the world. And thank you for making this program, for talking about this, because 
we cannot keep silence anymore. This is our call from our hearts. Please help us to return our kids. And maybe somebody who can hear your program can support Save Ukraine. You can find us, uh, our website, saveukraineua.org, and you can support us. But please raise your voice in any, in any country and help us to survive we're going to put those links in the description of the video people who might want to help out remotely please do follow that if you want to get more involved then do reach out and uh, contact uh, Mikola and his his team um it's true to say isn't it that your organization has been one of the most successful in returning children um so you know your organization is a natural place for people to get in contact um if they're interested in helping because you're actually delivering results on a scale which uh, other organizations have have not been able to achieve yeah thank you thank you and let me tell you one important thing that ukrainian children must never be treated as spoils of war and that crimes against children will be met with fierce condemnation and prosecution. It is very important to learn this and know. Absolutely. We will fight, we will fight, we will continue to fight for our kids. It's because this war for women, this war for women and children, and we we will we will stand, we will fight. And we ask all the world stand with us. It's an incredible job that you and your team are doing. I'm so grateful that you could share your passion and insight uh, on this incredibly important topic with the audience. Mikola, uh, thank you so much. And Olga for helping to uh, support and arrange uh, this interview. Um, thank you both so much and for all your colleagues and what you do. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Slava Ukraine. Yeah. Slava. Героям слава. Дякую.